right wing. In comes Stahl. Shoot! Scores! Eric Stahl in his Montreal Canadiens debut. Came down the right wing, put it past Smith, and the Montreal Canadiens will win this one 3-2 in overtime. Yeah, Moon with the call. Eric Stahl with the winner. Montreal comes from 2-0 down to knock off the Oilers 3-2. Let's go back to Montreal for Mattress Superstore. Give them five minutes and they'll give you the best sleep of your life. Take the Sleepology body scan and take the guesswork out of buying a mattress. Here's Oilers head coach Dave Tippett. Was that Montreal taking advantage of a couple of mistakes, or did you did you sense your team took its foot off the pedal noticeably in the third period? I thought the first five minutes we didn't uh, we weren't on our toes as much as we should, and then once they once they got the first one, we got back to playing a little bit, but and the mistake cost us the second one. So it's uh, you can you, you know you got to best way to protect the lead is to play in the other team's end and we were just first five minutes or so too passive didn't didn't uh, do enough forechecking to give us the momentum we needed uh, hi dave uh, both connor and leon have yet to score in those five games against montreal uh, is there anything that montreal does uh, as far as their matchup or how they play uh, these two guys to prevent them from being as effective as they are in other games uh, they're getting just as many chances other games they just haven't capitalized thank you yeah hey, Eric. it's obviously the first time in the mark specter sportsnet yeah, did you, uh, Dave, is there, like, you know, they always say matchups make the fight, and Montreal gives you guys a good game every time here. Um, they don't, you know, it's tight, and you guys don't sort of get some of the things done you do against other teams. Is there just a style that they play that, that, uh, makes for good hockey against your team? That's, that's the way it's going to be. That's tight checking hockey. It's, that's, the way good games are you got to, another team the other team is not just going to give you a space so you can do stuff you got to earn that space and we want to make other teams earn that space that so turns into a tight hockey game and this is again i would say uh, uh, you stole my question i think we're going to see this game a few more times in the last 18 games or 17 whatever's left you think i think this is the kind of game you're gonna this is the kind of game you're gonna see night in night out you know and it's uh, it's you better be ready for it because it's that's what playoff hockey is jim matheson post media uh, Dave, you hadn't had, haven't had a lot of overtime games this year, and you've had really good success. Um, this was one of the ones that dragged on and dragged on and dragged on. It did look like it might just get to a shootout. So was that just a really good play by Stahl, or did you get caught up the ace, or how did you see it? Uh, just a, it was an outside shot. Kind of, he made, he made a great shot. Schmidt was great all game, but he made a great shot to end the game. Okay. Thank you. County Jimbo, the Athletic. Uh, Dave, we were talking about uh, over the last few days, uh, especially after the Calgary game, uh, there's a little bit of separation uh, between the top four and the bottom three in the division. And do you think games like this, and, and especially if you play uh, Montreal more and Winnipeg, that uh, these games are really going to define kind of your season as you head toward the playoffs here? Well, all the teams, like you talked about, the four teams that, you know, are at the top of the division are all, you know, they've all played well all year long. And we put ourselves in that group. So you're going to play good teams. You you know, it's going to be a battle every night. You've got to find ways to win and, and find ways to play well in games that you know are going to be hard games. 
you guys have seemed to, to do that, uh, you know, finding different ways to win, and, and ultimately, obviously, tonight that didn't happen. But uh, do you do you, do you do you think that's kind of the characteristic of your team is doing that? And was there something different that uh, tonight that didn't allow you to do that? Like I said this morning, our team is maturing. We're finding ways. We're finding ways to try to get better. You recognize situations in the game that that when you're not playing well, you got to get out of it, and when you're playing well, how to how to keep it. And that's just a process you go through all year, and every game is a new challenge with that. Terry Jones, Post Media. Terry, um, we can't really hear you. I think you're... Can you hear me now? Yeah. Can you just uh, go on to some extent about what it's really been like and, and it's going to be like uh, coaching in this division in this situation with the travel things and all involved? It, it, it's really uh, a year like no other, obviously. Uh, just what are your thoughts and observations? You know what, we, uh, Terry, we prepared for it at the start of the year. We knew there was going to be challenges, and we knew there was going to be, uh, at times, some quirks thrown into it. So, for the most part, we've handled it very well, and uh, the attitude of the players has, has been very good. You just, you know, you whatever gets set in front of you, you got to accept it and move on. And uh, some of the travel has been a little different than other years. It's obviously different going to play a same the same team, you know, a couple times in a row or three times in a row so it's uh, it's been a different year all the way around but i think our players have handled it very well and uh, as much as there is some challenges there's been no complaining it's just going about our business and trying to become a better hockey team and uh, i mean can, can you uh, sort of pinpoint what it's like to to coach edmonton because in this situation there's no fans in the stands uh, do you have do you have the same kind of feel that you you had in your previous two deals well i mean coaching edmonton is uh in a Canadian market is, you know, the interest and the and just the, the passion for the for the team is unbelievable. But I've said all year since the start of the year, it would be to play in this division with fans would be incredible. Just the energy in the buildings and and the energy on game night. Uh, no matter what city you're in in Canada, it's just it's it's always a great atmosphere. So the players and the coaches alike, they miss you miss the fans. You miss that energy in the building. Now that being said, you still got to try to play well and win games and create your own emotion so it's a it's a different year but uh i'll say one thing it would be a lot more fun with fans that, that goes without saying thank you this includes tonight's media availability all right that's Oilers head coach dave tippett the oilers lose 3-2 in overtime to the canadians so a single point for edmonton they are 23 14 and 2 the Canadians now 17-9-9. I can also tell you that Winnipeg worked up a 4-1 lead against the Senators and then hung on to win 4-3. So how about this for second through fourth in the North Division? Winnipeg 49 points, Edmonton 48, Montreal 43. The points percentage, Winnipeg 628, Edmonton 615, Montreal 614. So so the Oilers in third place, but obviously still a lot to be decided. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, it's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line from the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. Well, Rob, a lot to talk about tonight because disappointing the Oilers couldn't hang on to a 2-0 lead after two periods. 
having said that, they maybe didn't deserve that lead and, and maybe didn't even deserve to get a single point out of this game, if not for one player. Yeah, Mike Smith was excellent in this hockey game. The rest of the Edmonton Oilers were not. Uh, it was a game that Montreal is a little bit better in just about every aspect of it. They were unfortunate. They had a couple lapses where they fell asleep late in periods that gave the Oilers their two good scoring chances where they capitalized and went up 2 nothing. Uh, it's one of those things you give credit to the Canadians. A lot of times when you dominate a period or you're dominating a game, you find yourself down on the scoreboard, uh, you have a bit of a lag and you start to falter. The Canadians, Canadians didn't that. I, I didn't think the Canadians were a team that could come back from two down, especially the way that Mike Smith was playing, but give them credit, they did. I think it's uh, another wake-up call for the Oilers, showing that as many, including myself, have thought this was a three-team race. The Montreal Canadiens are pretty good. They're missing one of their top four defensemen tonight. They're missing their heart and soul guy, Gallagher, who was gone for most of the game. Uh, yet they found a way to come back. Uh, Montreal's for real. And the Edmonton Oilers, uh, again, find out that when their top guns aren't going, they're a team that sometimes struggles to find offense. And Connor and Leon were okay tonight. They weren't their dominant selves as the Montreal Canadiens. They've got defensive pairings that they can put out and feel confident, confidence playing against Leon and Connor. And they've done it all season long. So uh, it was a game that, yeah, I think the, the final score went to the team that probably deserved to win the hockey. Montreal was a better hockey club. Mike Smith gave the Edmonton Oilers their one point. And Mike Smith is our fourth star tonight for Mr. Mike's Steakhouse Casual, your hockey destination. Make your reservation at mrmikes.ca. Smith, very good, especially through the first period when the Oilers were outshot 15-5. He winds up with 29 saves on 32 shots. Carey Price gets the win. He makes 21 saves on 23 shots. And again, in Montreal, a game in which the Oilers don't generate a ton outshot 15-5 in the first period much better in the second period that was the Oilers best period wasn't even close they outshot Montreal 14-7 and then Edmonton with just three shots in the third period granted Montreal only got seven but two of them went in in overtime the Canadians had three shots on goal the Oilers just one Shore scored in the final minute of the first period for Edmonton Nurse in the final minute of the second period but then Anderson and Tatar scoring in the first five and a half minutes of the third. That tied it up. Stahl's overtime winner. The official time is 4.02. Stahl's fourth goal of the season, Rob. His first game with the Montreal Canadiens. Can't make a much bigger impact than that. Yeah, I, I've been traded before. I know what it's like going to a new team. You want to fit in quickly. You'd like to do something special for your new team to make them feel that they made the right choice. I don't know if there's anything more special than a, an overtime winning goal. Uh, we talked about it, Bob and I, at the end of the game. The Montreal Canadiens added a guy that's played over 1,000 games. has over 400 NHL goals. He's been a captain most of his career. And he's going to be a depth player for the Montreal Canadiens. It was a, a fantastic pickup. Not, not just looking at what he could do offensively, but what he can do in the dressing room. He's been through just about everything. He's won a Stanley Cup. So it's a good voice to have in your room, especially with a bunch of young centermen, uh, a good pickup. And then the, the goal in overtime is just an added bonus. But the Montreal Canadiens are a little bit better hockey club because of that trade. And Stahl, even though you're 
you know, 15 years or whatever into your NHL career, you feel like a 10-year-old kid when you score an overtime goal for a new hockey club, so good on him. I just saw someone posting this stat that for the Canadian centers, Hall uh, Stahl led them in five-on-five ice time at 14 and a half minutes, 13 apiece for Kotkin, Yemi, and Suzuki, and about 12 and a half for Deneau. So they're used fairly evenly, but he obviously jumped right into the lineup. And, you know, his name was floating around a little bit connected to the Oilers a few weeks ago. Like we've talked about a lot, it's going to be tough for the Oilers to make any sort of trade work because of their their salary cap situation. But, yeah, I mean, this is, I mean, clearly there's a delineation between the top 14 and maybe even there's, maybe even the Toronto's in a tier all, all, all their own, Rob. I know they're not that far ahead of Winnipeg and Edmonton, but they've, they've been doing it all year. They haven't really hit any big bumps along the way. And then Winnipeg, Edmonton, Montreal are maybe in a second tier. And then you have Vancouver, Ottawa and Calgary uh, already out of the playoffs. So it, that, that, that helps the Canadians. And I think you, you touched on it. Experience is never a bad thing because we see it all the time. Uh, a lot of times coaches don't always trust young players in situations and you see young players sometimes in the playoffs just because they've never handled it and, and maybe they're good players and they have good careers, but there's that extra little uh, bit of, uh, you know, intensity in the playoffs. There's that extra little bit of having that savvy of knowing men, you can maybe grab a guy's jersey or hold a stick or get away with it or knowing when you have an extra split second to make a play. So I think that's going to be valuable to the Canadians too. I agree. And another thing too, that when something goes sideways in in a playoff series or any or late in a season, uh, a young player reacts to it differently, whether it be something for the team or even personal. If all of a sudden, you know, you get a little mini slump and, and a young player is like, okay, we're at the most important part of the season. I'm not playing well. It's eating away at me. A veteran player, uh, Joe Thornton in Toronto or Spets in Toronto, a stall in Montreal can sit beside a young player and say, hey, I've been there, kid. Here's how I got out of it. Oh, don't worry, but we've all done that before. Just a voice. And I know that when I was young, when a veteran, a guy that you'd looked up to, sat beside you and talked to you and and just shared stories with you, it meant a lot to you. So I, if you go back through all of the trades that are made at deadlines, I've always found the trades that involved a veteran player going for a you know, third round or a fourth round draft pick He's just a depth player for your team. I always found those to be the best trades because you're not giving up a lot of your future and you're getting another coach in your dressing room and you're getting a player kind of coach in your dressing room. Someone that can help help you and tell you what you're doing right, help you when you're doing things wrong, but from a player's uh, perspective. So it's not like you have a coach browbeating you. You got a veteran player saying, okay, hey, you know what I saw there? This is what you might want to try next time. And players are always more receptive when it's a peer or somebody you look up to giving you the advice. Yeah, that's a really good point for sure. Stahl gets the winner tonight. Canadians full marks for the win, 3-2 in overtime against the Oilers. You can get us on the Certainteed hotline. That's 780-496-0063, Certainteed professional-grade building materials. I also want to tell you that if you uh, haven't seen the update, uh, just to remind everybody too, that this week for the Oilers is going to look a little differently than we thought it was going to look about five and a half hours ago. 
The game on Wednesday remains as scheduled. It is an unusual start time, 3 o'clock in the afternoon mountain, so our face-off show will be at 1.30, Edmonton at Ottawa. The Oilers now play in Ottawa on Thursday. That game gets moved from Friday to Thursday. The Oilers are now off on Friday. And now instead of being off on Saturday, they play at the Calgary Flames at 8 o'clock. So that's our adjustment of the game for Alberta's chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com slash hockey. At the moment, the Oilers have games, home games, scheduled next Monday and Wednesday against the Vancouver Canucks. Rob, I hate to say this, but we have no idea. I mean, well, there's, there's zero, it's, there's it's zero unlikely. Chance. Yeah, there's yeah, zero it's... chance they're playing the Vancouver Canucks next week. But what we've already seen with the game coming Saturday against the Calgary Flames, there may be scheduled games. There's scheduled changes that allow for there to be games on those days anyways. And I would expect that. I just think the NHL has to wait to see over the next couple of days what exactly is happening with Vancouver and where they're going to be going how long it's going to take them to get there before they make decisions. But uh, I know that you were talking earlier with John Shannon and, and about the busiest man right now in Canada outside of the medical field is the guy that's doing the NHL schedule because he is going to be staying up all night, every night, trying to figure out a way to get all of these games in if he can. Yeah, and the, the league has said it's their preference to play all the games. There's going to be a lot of free scheduling to do for for Vancouver. Reed, so we'll see how that plays out. Reed, it's my preference to be a billionaire, but it ain't going to happen. <laughs> right. So yeah, the NHL could have a preference well, to play all the games. It ain't going to happen. I mean, if you if you bet on red with all your winnings enough consecutive times, and red always came in, maybe well the casino would probably ask you, you don't, to leave. You don't know what I'm starting with, Reed. It would have to be a lot of times <laughs> on red. <laughs> there we go. All right, uh, we're going to get to the phone lines in a second. Here, you're also going to hear from Devin Shore and Darnell Nurse, who were the two Oilers goal scorers tonight. They needed one more. They lose 3-2 in OT to the Habs. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Well, the Montreal Canadiens are celebrating a 3-2 overtime win over your Edmonton Oilers. The Montreal Canadiens are not celebrating this news just announced by their head coach, Dominic Ducharme, in his post-game news conference. Brendan Gallagher suffered a fractured thumb tonight. So that is... A big loss for the Canadians, Rob. He's a player who, uh, with a lot of ties to the Edmonton area, where he lived here till I think he was 11 or 12, and is is very fun to watch in a totally different way than McDavid and McKinnon and guys like that are are fun to watch. An important part of their team, but uh, fractured thumb for Brendan Gallagher. Yeah, in that ooh, eight weeks, is it eight to 12 weeks? Possibly, yeah, probably depends, but yeah, but how it, not severe good. it is, yeah, not good. And you could see it was on the shot from a point, and he, it was, it's funny or or just Brendan Gallagherish. He stopped, hit him in the hand, bounced the puck, bounced away. He actually played the puck. He went after the puck and threw it back in front of the net and created a scoring chance. And then you see him go to the bench, and he was in pain. And then they showed a bunch of videos of other times that he's broken his hand. I think this is his third or fourth time breaking his hand all with friendly fire. Uh, it's too bad. He is an important part of that team. He is a, yeah, no, he's one, he's a guy that every team in the National Hockey League wishes they had more players like him on their team. He plays hockey the right way. And it's unfortunate for the Montreal Canadiens 
that he might be gone because of it's a shortened season. He may be gone the rest of the season. So huge, huge loss for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I just according to Dr. Google, so and the range is pretty wide. It says it says two to eight weeks. So split the difference. I mean, it could it could be a month. And well, I guess you it also depends. Surgery involved. Yeah, if if you have to put a pin in, and yeah. Or, yeah. So it's whatever it is. It's it's going to be longer term, and and that's too bad for a Montreal team that has a lot of games left, and we're having a fantastic year. And Gallagher is a huge part of that team. So the Oilers lose 3-2 in overtime. That means a $200 donation to 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous, courtesy James H. Brown and Associates Serious Injury Lawyers. They're given 200 bucks every time the Oilers score this season. The total now up to $12,700, thanks to James H. Brown. Okay, on the Certainty Hotline, we have John standing by, who's also going to finish the play this evening. But, John, go ahead with your comment or question first. Hi, Reed. Hi, Rob. Uh, I had a call tonight because I've got smoke coming out both ears, and I haven't been this mad since I phoned you guys two years ago and I wanted Leon Dreisaitl benched. Well, we all make mistakes. I'm phoning tonight because I can't stand the refereeing in the NHL, and tonight was a really good example. But towards the end of the second period, Dreisaitl gets tackled. Flat-out tackled, no call. Next play, Connor's cutting around the defender and get his legs taken right out. No call. Then Leon gets tripped. No call. And then in the third period, same thing. And you know what? It's just sad. Like, our two best guys, and if they'd have called those things, this game would have been a 4 or 5 nothing win for the Oilers. And, and you know, you just wonder... If I if I was high up with the Oilers, I'd send the tape in, flag the calls that we are wondering about, and say, how can you explain missing four or five calls in a row? That's just pathetic. Well, I know I know tapes do get sent in. First of all, yeah. that that does happen to, from time yeah. to time. I'm sure Ken Holland will be in touch with the refs. I mean. There, I, we we texted back and forth during the game tonight, Reed, and we talked about this was not a strongly refed hockey game. Uh, there was the one where Connor Connor was coming down, and it was like, uh, who was it? Weber was chopping down a small tree in the backyard. Connor goes flying down, and the board's no call. And then the penalty they call later, I think, it was on to Foley, where Archibald fell on his own. That wasn't a trip. Okay, and we're like, how could they not call Weber? When that was obvious, everybody was watching McDavid because he had the puck. Yet they make this call onto Foley. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a good ref game. I don't think the outcome. I don't know if it would have been different. I think the Montreal Canadiens were the better team tonight. But yes, the refs. They had a. They had a tough night tonight. There were a few Edmonton Oilers shaking their heads how penalties were not called. All right, John, you're going to finish the play. You already have a premium sampler box from Hungry Herd. Top quality meats delivered right to your door at everyday low prices. Alberta owned and operated. Angie, roll it. Nurse just got it in. Went off the stick of McDavid. And Kulak got it out. Here comes Pugliarvi down the right wing. In over the line. Shoot! Okay. John, second period scoring chance for Jesse Pugliarvi early in the second period. Well, about six minutes into the second period. Did Price stop him, or did he hit the post? He hit the post. 
Nurse just got it in. Went off the stick of McDavid. And Kulak got it out. Here comes Pugliarvi down the right wing. And over the line. Shoots off the post. Pugliarvi just ripped it off the post. That was a bullet shot. John's all over it. The call from Mooner. John's name is going into the grand prize draw for a $1,000 gift certificate to Visions Electronics, courtesy PF Custom Countertops. Support local with a PF renovation. Get started at pfcustomcountertops.com. You know, Rob, the referee discussion is a little hotter and heavier than usual because of the Tim Peel open mic situation. Mm-hmm. We talk to almost primarily Oilers fans, so they're going to see the game from an Oilers perspective. Uh, I, I'd say there have maybe been three or four games this season that I would say were poorly refereed, and I would say all round. I mean, look, you and I both know there are plenty of iffy calls that sometimes benefit the Oilers. But I, I, but I get John calling in about that one on McDavid because yeah. Weber <laughs> slashed his feet right out from under him, and I think it wasn't called because the Oilers were already on a power play. Absolutely. I, I, I would say... A, an, I, I would say a penalty that blatant should be called all the time, regardless of who commits it against who. And that's why fans get must frustrated because that is an obvious case of game management overriding an obvious violation of the rules. Well, and then you add in the fact uh, that I believe on that play, Montreal iced the puck. So, I mean, not only did you, was it a non-call that could have given you a five on three, it turned into uh, Montreal icing the puck and taking another 30 seconds off a power play. So instead of having a five on three that you deserved, your five and four just lost 30 seconds. So it, yeah, that was, that was an easy call to make. It was blatant. It was right in front of the referee and it was on the guy that had the puck on his stick going hundred miles an hour. So that one, and, and as soon as it happened, I'm like, okay, they're on the power play. That's why he didn't call it. But in reality, when a penalty is happens, it should automatically be called a penalty. You don't ref the game. But as I said when I talked to you, when you asked me about Tim Peel, what Tim Peel said is what every ref does. Referees ref hockey games, and they manage hockey games. And that was a referee managing a hockey game. The team's already on a power play. Unless there's blood, we're not going to make a second call and give a team a five-on-three. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a tough one. Uh, the Oilers did have more power plays tonight, though. Uh, they went one for four with the man advantage. The Canadians went 0 for two. Edmonton did kill off a penalty relatively late in the third period. Juju Kara got called for firing the puck over the ga- glass at 13.54. The third, Edmonton survived that one, got it into overtime, but ultimately lost 3-2 to the Canadians. Okay, we got Max and Jim on the line. Tell you what, guys, I want to get the news in. Then I'll bring you in. You'll also hear from Shore and Nurse. 3-2, the Canadians take it in overtime. So the Oilers are now 23-14-2 on the season. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Eric Stahl scores the winner. Canadians 3, Oilers 2 in overtime as we update the scoreboard for Advantage Trailer Rentals. With daily, weekly, monthly, and rent-to-own options, head to AdvantageTrailerRentals.com. Maple Leafs and Flames scoreless early in the second period. Vegas leads St. Louis 6-1 late in the third. Eight minutes to go. Avalanche up 5-3 on the wild. Halfway through the first period, it is already 3-0 Arizona over Los Angeles. The Jets beat the Senators 4-3. Flyers get by the Bruins 3-2 in overtime. Sanheim 
gets the overtime winner tonight. The Edmonton Oil Kings leading Red Deer 4-1. That's at the start of the period. NCAA basketball championship game at halftime. Baylor leads Gonzaga 47-37. Blue Jays beat Texas 6-2. Raptors beat the Wizards 103-101. Canada's Brendan Botcher rank at Worlds in Calgary, losing 10-9 to South Korea. So Canada five and two at the men's world curling championships along with rob brown i'm reed wilkins in the friesen brothers broadcast center our hotline presented by certain teed professional grade building materials we have max standing by max go ahead rob uh listen i i just like to underscore what uh, you both have commented on uh when when mcdavid got chopped down uh in addition to other things but i believe that toffoli not you know call was was sort of uh the makeup call but i i, I totally agree with with john and with you both uh that has changed that changed the uh the whole uh the whole game pretty much now the other Another point that I'd like to do, and, and, and you're absolutely right, Rob, I mean, they're managing the game, whether it's on live mic or not, they tend to do this kind of thing, and they've done it forever, obviously. The other thing I'd like to say, I used to watch, I, I've watched Rob, my kids have both watched, grew up watching Rob and Mary Lemieux, but I, I got to say this, that, uh, uh, you know, the other thing that Rob commented on, I phoned a couple of weeks ago, Reed, and I mentioned this, is that the advantage of, of a Toronto team and now a Montreal team where they've they've reeled in for a reasonable cost they've reeled in uh, you know um, uh, guys like uh, Stahl and you can see the immediate impact and there's a reason why you get Simmons, Spets and Thornton playing for 700 grand a year now we have a bottom six tonight worked like dogs I mean Carrup played a good game and so did uh, Shore but they don't have the experience. I mean, these are superstars that have that Thornton hasn't won a Stanley Cup, but I mean, he's been close for many, many times. Spezza, these are superstars that provide incredible leadership and are a settling influence on when when things go crazy. You know, when 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 one goal gets scored and you give up, or or they they had a, a lapse there. Guys like Thornton and Spezza and and Stahl would say, hold it now. No, you got to pick it up. you got to pick it up right now because these guys, if we let them in the game, they can change everything. We do not have that. Now, is that Holland's fault? I don't think so, and Tippett's done a great job. But the bottom line is Holland has inherited a lot of, you know, um, bad baggage, including the Lucic and the Reinhardt trade. And uh, they were building the wrong way, I feel, Rob, and, and Reed. Uh, you know, even when they picked up, people are screaming that they're not playing Bouchard. Well, you know, if you look, like the day of the draft, I was watching it with my kids. I wanted Noah Dobson. And the reason I wanted Noah Dobson is because when we won Cups in Edmonton, we had Paul Coffey. We have a Broberg coming, but he's got seriously injured right now. So, you know, you've got Bouchard, who's a good player, but does not have the foot speed that's really required and I believe that's why he's not being played right now. The other item and the last item I'd like to say well second last I'll give you one Max because we'll pick one do it quick please. Okay so 
So we need we need a um, Ricard Raquel. Uh, we really need that so you can move Nuge to the wing and have him play center or keep him as a, have Nuge at center. We need a Ricard Raquel, and we need and and what I would do the clock's taking on McDavid and and Drysaddle. They're worn right out, and that's why they're not as sharp at the end. They're played a ton, but we need those guys. I would trade a Bouchard for a, a Raquel because we need that now and we've got Brogberg coming so okay uh, thank you Max appreciate your call good uh, good thoughts yeah a lot of very good stuff there yeah I mean certainly I mean that's an ongoing uh, issue for the Oilers is is forward depth and the bo- the bottom six do not score a ton and then there's still even a couple holes in the top six where you wish they had a little more production. I mean, really, it's funny what what he was talking about in terms of the experience that some of the players he listed bring. It, it's Smith who has brought that most of the Oilers, I think. Yeah, you're <laughs> that, right. That He's, energy and that uh, calm swagger. down. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, the Oilers. I mean, Toronto and Montreal. They they had good core pieces, but they filled the core pieces around them with guys that have been there, done that guys that were stars, that were leaders, that were captains, that now they're just asking those players to come in and be um, complimentary players. Just come in and you don't have to carry a franchise anymore. And these guys want to win. When you sign for the league minimum, you want to win. You're coming to a franchise to do whatever it takes. And the Oilers, I mean, they would love, love to have an experienced player with 1,000, 1,200 games come into their lineup and put him on the third and fourth line and say, all right, you just be you. And that's what Spezza and Stahl and Thornton and Simmons, that's what those guys are doing on their teams. All right. Uh, Ricard Raquel's cap hit, by the way, $3.8 million. It's going to be tough for the, uh, or they'd have to give more than Bouchard to, to get that because the money, the money wouldn't match. We and one thing, quick... Reed, too. One yep. thing, Reed, Spezza just scored for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, there you go. Thank you. I got the basketball game on because I, might win money tonight if Baylor wins the game. Uh, we'll get to Jim <laughs> no in a second. <laughs> we'll get to Jim in a second. Oilers lose 3-2 in overtime. This is Heartland Ford overtime open line. Canadians 3, Oilers 2 in overtime. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village Goal Light on 630Ched.com. That is presented by Japanese Village Restaurants. Thrilled to serve you again for dine-in and takeout. Complete details, jvedmonton.ca. Certainteed hotline. We have Jim standing by. Jim, go ahead. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you doing? One other good. Question, good. And one other question, if I can, before I talk about Oilers, it's a possible trade that they've been talking about in the NHL tonight, I read, and I don't even know if it's true. It's an unrestricted free agent in New Jersey. And possibly, I think the last name starts with a P, but I'm not oh, sure. Oh, Palmieri. Palmieri. Yes. Now, I don't know if he would even fit in the Oilers. If, if they did, and if he wants to come here, what would we have to do to give up to get him, and is he worth, uh, worth a player to have? I think he's a decent player. Again, like I hate to sound like a broken record. It's just, uh, I mean, his cap hit is four point seven million dollars. Okay, so I mean, so who do so so who do you who do you move out to get him? You know, someone risk, that makes four point seven million dollars. Yeah, or or approximately. That's whatever. But I'm just wondering the, if type of player that we go for. Well, the, the I think if they had the cap them. space, there's tons of guys that. Can, they just can't afford them. There's the, sp- the cap the space are, is the issue. The Oilers are handcuffed. Yeah, well, let's talk about tonight's game. Now, 
what I think is wrong with the Oilers is until they learn how to hate to lose, and I don't think they've reached that yet, and I think they took the young Oilers young, a long time ago to really hate how to lose because tonight they're just going to say, oh, well, and start all over again. They've got to actually hate to lose these games and, and before they can understand to win. I mean, maybe it doesn't make sense. Maybe it does. But right now, I mean, I think the problem with the, with the Oilers and I think the goalies in the NHL, we have a goalie, Mike Smith, the six foot four, is it, or six foot seven? Which is he? He, uh, he's about six foot four. Koskinen is the the six seven one. Okay, so we have between the ice and the crossbar is four feet. Uh, tonight was about the second goal, of the first goal. Mike was even starting to go down. Of course, it goes over his shoulder. How many goals go over either the, either of these goalies' shoulders? And truly, when you're that tall, there's no reason for that. It's their style of, of of flopping so quick that you know they're making a commitment, and the guys just put it over the shoulders. And yeah, I, Jim, but I, I'm going to challenge you on that because that happens around the league. And I know you listen to my other show, and Kelly and I talk about that, where a goalie is down and a shot beats him from a bad angle because it goes over his shoulder, right? So the thing is, if he I, I understand, I understand down, what you're saying, but it's it's not like only. Yeah, but if he doesn't do go that. down, Reed, then that means if he doesn't go down, all low things are open. The reason they go down, they think that can take away the most possible net. And then it has to be a perfect shot to beat him. Yeah, the goal, trust me, they, there's goalie coaches that study hours and hours and hours and hours of film to find the best way to play goal. The goalies today play the goal better than any time in the history of the NHL. They cover as much. There's there's more teaching. There's more film. There's more training. These are the best goalies that have ever played in the National Hockey League. And, and it's hard to score goals. You have to beat them with perfect shots. The thing is, the players nowadays are the best shooters in the history of the NHL, and they can hit those spots. But uh, Mike, every goalie around the league gives up pucks in the exact same spots because they're the small areas that you're able to score on. So uh, the goal to win on Mike Smith, that would have gone in on any other goalie in the NHL. And it's just not the Oilers. It's frustrating for a lot of the fans to understand that most of these goals that go in go right over the shoulder. And you're right, it's just not on the Oilers, and it's it's on everybody. Yeah, that's fair. It, it it is a style of goaltending nowadays, and I've definitely heard from from a lot of fans who it, it's confusing sometimes. All right, gentlemen, keep up the good job. You guys take care. Okay. Yeah. Good to hear from you, Jim. Yeah, I, that that is, and we've. I, I know it came up a couple of years ago because Talbot let in a couple where it was a really sharp angle, and he's mm-hmm. down, and there's this little space over his shoulder, and it goes in. Um, they're no, forcing again, the it, forward to hit that spot. They're forcing the forward to hit that spot, and they're getting ready. When the puck's in a sharp angle, this is the way it was explained to me. I'm, no, I'm not pretending to be a goaltending expert. I'm just telling you what you know. Kelly Rudy has said on my show and from talking to other goaltending people that when the puck's in the bad angle, the goalie is expecting a pass. So he's in a situation to push off for a pass or be down low already if there's a goal melt scramble. Is that, yep. that kind of how it's been explained to yep. you, Rob? That makes sense because, I mean, there's always going to be a spot to shoot at because a goaltender is not the same size as the net. So there's always going to be a spot. So you're playing the percentages. And they're playing the percentages from that. Okay, I'm going to give him this three inches. And if he hits it, he hits and he beats me. But if he passes or if he puts the puck in front, well, I'm going to win that battle. So it's, it's just, I mean, all you have to do is watch video of goaltenders from the 80s. When I played in the 90s, you could score uh, just about anywhere. the puck into the net. Exactly. <laughs> so like- the goalies are much, much better. Uh, back then, yeah, you didn't go over the shoulders because all goalies stood up, but you could shoot the puck along the ice and score. You can't do that anymore. So uh, 
there's you're always going to find fault in a goalie when he lets a puck in and he's your goalie and you're always going to say oh it was the shooter when your go- when your goal scorer shoots and beats the other team's goalie um but mike smith it's funny that there was a critique of mike smith mike smith is the only reason the only reason that the edmonton oilers got a point tonight because montreal was the superior hockey club in this one the Oilers got a goal late in the first period from Devon Shore before they lost 3-2 in overtime. Let's go back to Montreal for Mattress Superstore. Here's Shore. That's kind of probably the way most of these games are going to be. Um, from here on out, you're either going to be, it's going to be close going to the third, either up or down. and uh, you, want to, you want to find a way to, to close the ones that you have a lead with. What is it about the way they play five on five that makes it, uh, you know, that makes them uh, kind of this stingy, five-on-five group that they are yeah i think that's a good way to describe it i, th- I thought they they played well tonight um they're tough on the walls the deep pinch down hard uh so as forwards we we would have liked to win more battles along the wall on the way out um and, and yeah like um they you know they swarm in the d zone and and uh, but but i mean that, that's on us to to find a way to counter that um it's, it's, a, it's a tough league, tough division, and they, they might have played uh, the way they wanted to play more than we did tonight. Eric Fendi, Post Media. Hey, Devin, what is it about the Canadians that seems to bring the best out of your game? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. They have, I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that. It's, I think it's a bit of a coincidence. And, and yeah, no, no, no worries. Uh, and uh, I guess um, the, the losing here does it kind of downplay or get kind of bittersweet for the goal you scored today? It's like obviously you, you want to score in a win, but does it kind of sour the goal a little bit? Um, my role on this team isn't—it's not the first priority to, to score goals. It's nice when you can, but uh, at this point, you're you just focus on on the wins. To be completely honest, that's all you're worrying about. Jim Matheson, Post Media. Uh, Devin, the orders have been so good with the lead, especially when they score first. Uh, they were 15 and two, and then lead going into the, the third. Did they just force the issue? It didn't look like you, you really sat back, but they just got a couple of good chances around the net early in the third period. Yeah, credit to them. They they came hard all game, um, but uh, you know, in our room we're focusing on what we can control. And like you said, we know we know we can play with the lead. We know we can close those out, um, and we, we just have to make sure we're, we're doing the little things. And you know, it's the reality is we are we are focusing on on results, and and we didn't get that tonight. We'll we'll take the point, and but uh, you know, I think and I think it's important not to dwell on it. We know we can close games out, and we just got to make sure. That's what we do. All right, that's Devin Shore from the Edmonton Oilers. They lose 3-2 in overtime to the Habs. This is Heartland Ford overtime open line. All right, Canadians 3, Oilers 2 in overtime is the final. Flames and Leafs tonight. It's uh, 2-0 Toronto about halfway through the second period. Spets and Matthews have the goals. We'll go to Cam on the line, 780-496-0063. Go ahead, Cam. Hey, guys, just was wondering, uh, who's out there right now that the Oilers can possibly... Maybe getting right now. You know, we well, nobody big, Cam. I mean, they are not going to be involved in a big trade. I mean, Bob and I have talked about guys like Derek Ryan, uh, Brandon Sutter, Luke Glendening. Like those are the types of players that the Oilers are are adding. Um, you know, Daniel Nugent Bowman with the Athletic wrote a really good article about 
the, you know, and he has a, he had a team source that said the first round pick will will not be traded. Um, you know, so I we we could go through names of penalty killers and face off guys, Rob. But I know when people ask a question like that, they want us to say, you know, Taylor Hall or Ricard Raquel, <laughs> like that other caller. Like it's 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 not happening. No, I mean it's it's not so much what they could give up for them. It's the fact that they have they have no f- cap space. So whatever that contract is coming in, you've got to get rid of that contract. So if you're looking at a, a big-name player, you're going to have to get rid of a player that makes big-name money. And the Oilers really aren't that deep that they can afford to get rid of a player like that. So it'll be a depth player. I'm sure they'd love to find a right-handed center that, men, that could make, win face-offs. And that would save having to send Leon out their penalty kill after penalty kill to win draws in his own end. So, yeah, it's not going to be a big name. It just isn't. The Oilers don't have the cap space to do it. All right. Uh, i tell you what, we'll put the Darnell Nurse uh, post-game interview on our website, on the Oilers page on 630ched.com, so you can get it there, get all the uh, game stories and game highlights on that one as well. Rob, we're back at it on Wednesday. I, I got to remind you of this, not just our listeners. The game starts at <laughs> 3 in the afternoon. That is mountain time. So the face-off show starts at 1.30. So Bob will have Oilers now, and then we'll just morph into the face-off show. That's against Ottawa. Then they're going to play Ottawa again on Thursday, and then they'll be in Calgary on Saturday. That's the adjusted schedule. So we'll talk to you then, buddy. Sounds good. See you then. All right. So the final tonight, Stahl scores in overtime. Canadians get the win, 3-2. Oilers record is now 23-14-2. They are third in the North Division. They are ahead of Montreal in points percentage by .001. (laughs) It's going to be a tight race. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer. Thanks to Angie Quinnell, our studio producer. Stoffer as Oilers now from noon to two tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from six to eight. Thanks to list. Thanks for listening to Heartland Ford overtime open line from the Friesen brothers broadcast center. Have a great night.